Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, Coach Paula. Where has the day gone? It has flown by. It has. They say time flies when you're having fun, and we've spent a good deal of time pouring over athlete data and creating next week plans. And it's a lot of work, but it's also fun. It's been a fast day. It has been a fast day. Tell me about your workout today. Well, I'm one week away from the Mason Marathon, and I had, I guess, my last substantial workout. It was an hour and 36 minutes, I think. So the first 50 minutes were just easy. So I met Suzanne and Kelly and Karen. And when we were on the main roads, they were fine. But navigating from one main road to another, there were a lot of slushy and icy patches. So we stopped our watch and walked several times because we thought, better safe than sorry. So while we were doing this in the first 50 minutes, we kind of decided we were going to wait until tomorrow to do the tempo portions because after the first 50 minutes, it was nine minutes at 10 seconds faster than gold marathon pace and then a three-minute recovery times three. And we were just thinking if our easy pace was kind of sketchy with our footing, then maybe it wasn't a good idea to increase the pace. But we found that there were a couple of roads that would give us nine minutes worth of clear roads. So we went ahead and did our workout and it turned out fine. And you got to get to the starting line healthy. Got to get to the starting line healthy, and I was really wanting to get the workout behind me because that gave me one extra day for the legs to recover after that workout rather than pushing it off to tomorrow. So once we were finished with it, we were glad we had figured out a way to get it done. But I'm going to tell you, my legs didn't feel fresh at all, so I'm looking forward to this week of tapering and relaxing and preparing for Mesa. And even though we're not racing it, we're using it as a training run. I still want to feel good throughout the marathon. It's just uh, one more step toward getting ready for Boston. Yeah, which will be here before we know it. Yeah. So other than that run, I also practiced my violin for 102 minutes total today. Wow. I've been trying to go through all of the things on the checklist every day that my teacher assigns, but I think if I did everything, it would take a good two hours per day if I did everything daily. So I rotate some things in and out, and I almost never get to the active listening part which is a key component, just listening to and hearing what this music is supposed to sound like really helps. Just like I think watching triathlon and watching endurance running events and seeing how the pros execute and just visualizing their form is helpful as well. I mean, it's not, I couldn't just 
listen to music and become a better player on the violin. Just like I couldn't just sit and watch YouTube videos and other outlets of watching the pros and get better. But it's just one piece of the puzzle that can help with improvement. But ultimately, I have to work myself. But, you know, I got that ornament for Christmas that says, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. And that is extremely relevant to the violin. And it is also extremely relevant to swimming. Yes, it is. Now, did your violin teacher give you that She did. I thought so. She did. Last year, she gave me an ornament. It was a music stand. And it had on it just a little bitty piece of music that had the piece I was actually working on last Christmas. So that being my first Christmas with her as her student, I thought, oh, I bet every year we'll get a violin, a music stand that will have whatever piece we're working on and we can track our progress. But I was wrong. But I did write on the back of the ornament what piece I was working on. Because you know me, I like to document memories to go on the Christmas tree. You are a good student, just doing all the things that you've been prescribed. Yeah, sometimes it's overwhelming. I'm trying to be the very best I can be as an endurance athlete, as an endurance athlete coach, as a grandma, as a mom, as a daughter to a mom that has Alzheimer's and the violin. And as a wife. Yeah, I feel like you don't put a lot of pressure on me. I just feel like we're just kind of a team. Bonnie and Clyde. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Laurel and Hardy. Abbott and Costello. Those are boys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Lucy and Dez. Is that his name? I think you're right. Hmm. Ward and June. Oh, boy. (laughs) Showing our age. So today, my training was a trip to the pool again. I've been spending a lot of time at the pool. I've still got this little foot injury, which is likely going to keep me from running Mesa. But I'm still pretty positive because Mesa, like you said, was more of a training run. I really want to be healthy for the Ashland City Half. And even more so than that, I want to be healthy for Boston to run that with you. So I've got some time to recover. So I'm spending a lot of time in the pool both working on technique and swim fitness, but then also pool running. I think I pool ran four times this week. I'm kind of enjoying it. I've been wearing my shocks, listened to worship music, and it's been good. Are you singing out loud while you're listening? I do a little bit of singing, but there's just a lot of noise in the pool area, and I'm not singing very loud. Even when it's empty in there, there's a lot of, I don't know if you call it white noise, It's just not a quiet room. It's not. And if anybody hears me singing, that's okay. I'm not ashamed of what I'm singing, although the way it comes out may not be pleasant to the ear. I think you have a good voice, but I may be biased. A little known fact to people who have met us later in adulthood is that we sang to each other in our wedding. Yes, we did. (laughs) I'm not sure how we both got up the courage to do that because really we're both kind of introverts. Yeah, definitely. I'm not sure how that came about. But it came about. It must have been meant to be, but that was a long time ago. So in addition to training, I spent a little bit of time today, well, you and I both spent some time, analyzing some swim video to help one of our athletes out. That was fun. 
It's always interesting to see the technique underwater and, and above water. But I know for myself, when I've been videoed in the past, that what I think I'm doing is not always what's going on. Yeah, I think it's really good when we can look at video, especially, I don't know what you did to slow it down, but we were able to watch it kind of in a slower it was half speed. Half speed. There you go. And so you can just really break down what's going on. And then, because there's so many moving parts in a swim, I think the part you and I have to really work on, and we kind of work on it separately and then come to an agreement together, is what to prioritize with each swimmer. Because some swimmers, especially if they're learning to swim as an adult, there's so many things that can be tweaked. And so... Just figuring out what's going to give that athlete the most bang for his or her buck and how to prioritize what to work on first is important because you don't want to send them, okay, here's the 15 things that are preventing you from being Michael Phelps. (laughs) But we can also, in most videos, find 15 things that are really good. Yeah, we don't spend as much time focusing on what is good. We try to focus on where the opportunities for improvement are. Mm -hmm. Are you ready to start today's podcast topic? Yes, because I really don't want to talk about skip bow since I'm now down two games. Well, all right. We won't talk about that I'm winning at skip bow by Mm -hmm. two games. Mm -hmm. Move on. Move on. So the subject of today's podcast is, are you ready to work hard? We talk about keeping the easy days easy and the hard days hard. We talk about periodization of training, and the keys to reaching your big endurance goals, improving your fitness, is proper training, proper nutrition, and proper recovery. And really the improvements only occur during that recovery. So recovery is just so important. Yeah, you, um, just back to what you said the main topic is today, are you ready to work hard? Last week, the email you sent to our team, you write those more often than not, but I had to really do some introspection for myself on that one because I think it was just kind of talking about pressing in for improvements and some things. And I'm like, hmm, I've got some work to do both mentally and physically between now and Boston. Yeah, the subject of that team note was mental toughness. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I didn't mean to digress, but I thought you did a great job on the team note last week. Well, thank you. So we're talking about improvements occurring during recovery and the amount of recovery that you need it depends on your recent volume and intensity as well as other factors in life such as stress your nutrition your hydration quality of your sleep whether you're healthy or not if you got a a virus or something your need for recovery is greater than if everything is very healthy and there's some correlation to monitoring your recovery status and the prevention of soft tissue injuries. And I presume that's what I have going on with my foot right now, a soft tissue injury, because x-rays didn't show anything. And so I am doing active recovery to, to get well. So are you ready to work hard? One of the keys to being ready is to improve recovery. You first need to understand what your recovery state is. And one way you might evaluate your recovery state is by 
looking at your resting heart rate over a period of time to understand what is normal. And then if it starts increasing, then you may be fatigued. Your training may need to be easy rather than hard until your resting heart rate stabilizes. What is your resting heart rate? It's around 43, 43, 44. Yeah. Mine is currently 45, and it fluctuates between like 42 and and 45. Mine's currently 39. Wow. You're doing great. But I'd say if I averaged it all out, it's around 43, 42, 43. Yeah. So if you're tracking your resting heart rate or... If you're tracking your heart rate during a workout, you need accurate data and a chest strap is going to be more accurate than your sports watch. And if you have a chest strap, you want to make sure it's snug and you want to use some water or some heart rate gel on the pads so that you get good connectivity. So what else can you use to measure your state of recovery. Well, our Garmin watches have two metrics that I've typically ignored in the past, but maybe I won't in the future. One is called the performance condition, or it used to be called the recovery condition, and it's an alert that will pop up on your watch during an activity, somewhere near the beginning of the activity, after a few minutes. And it's basically telling you if you're ready for a hard effort or if you are more than likely in need of an easy day. So that's as you're starting your workout. Well, my Garmin watch currently tells me I need to recover 67 hours before my next workout. (laughs) Well, that's the second metric on your Garmin watch to help you measure your recovery. It's called the recovery time or time for recovery. And it's really measuring how much time you need before you do another hard workout. It's not real obvious based on what it says, but that's the intent. You can still do easy training, but it is suggesting that you avoid really hard training until you've had more recovery. So we're jumping ahead just a little bit. I was going to focus first on the performance condition okay, and pulling some data off of Garmin's website on what they intend this metric to measure It's a real-time metric of your ability to perform compared to your average fitness level. And it's going to give you a number that's either a positive or negative. And each one of those numbers is a measure of 1% off of your VO2 max that your watch thinks you have. This could be an indicator of your fatigue level. That's the intent of it. And how it calculates your performance condition. It's based on your pace, your heart rate, heart rate variability, and then if you're cycling, it also factors in power. So the other metric, recovery time, you said you have 67 hours to recover. The way that's calculated, it's based on the effort put into your most recent activity, but it's also looking at past activities as well. And then there's an algorithm that Garmin uses from a company called First Beat to calculate what that number of hours needs to be. Well, 67 hours, it must think I really worked hard today. I'm going to have to go back and look at my heart rate data. Yeah, and like I mentioned before, the suggestion is an amount of time to wait before your next hard effort, but easy active exercise 
is great recovery. And the newer watches, some of the newer watches, can also try to take into account in the number of hours for recovery, your stress level and your quality of sleep. Yeah, I know sometimes my watch will notify me that my recovery time has improved because you slept well. My watch will actually tell me that. That's nice. And you have a pretty new watch. It is. So back to the basic components of determining your recovery status. It's your effort, which includes your heart rate, but then also your heart rate variability. So I wanted to dig just a little bit into heart rate variability. So this is a measure of the space between your heartbeats. It's not focused on how many beats per minute. It's focused on the difference in the distance, the difference in the time between those heartbeats over the course of a a period of time, so a minute. So it's not how many beats, it's how far apart they are. And if the space between those beats is very consistent, then it is believed that you are in a state of fatigue. Whereas if the space between the heartbeats fluctuates, then you are ready to perform. That's interesting. I would have expected the exact opposite. Yeah. And a lot of the data that I have collected on heart rate variability, I pulled off of Whoop's website, which they are keenly invested in heart rate variability because they have a wrist-based heart rate monitor that ties to a subscription service that they would love to sell you. But I found their information to be quite interesting and I wanted to share that. So heart rate variability originates from your nervous system. And there are two parts of the nervous system that work together or fight against each other to impact heart rate variability. You've got your parasympathetic nervous system, which handles involuntary things such as hair growing, your digestive system, stuff like that. And it tries to decrease the heart rate. And then you've got your sympathetic nervous system, which deals with stress and exercise and tries to increase your heart rate. So if your heart rate variability is high, that means that these two parts of the nervous system are fighting against each other. And that's a sign that your fatigue level is low, you are ready to perform. But if your heart rate variability is low, then one of these two sides of the nervous system is overwhelming the other, and that's a sign that you're not ready to perform at your best, and you may be in need of recovery. But even if your heart rate variability is low, you still should consider being active. Just avoid hard efforts. And fatigue could be caused by being stressed or dehydrated or sick, or it could be your training volume. If your heart rate variability is low, then your body is less prepared to do the hard training that you may be wanting to do. But it's good to listen to your body and try to avoid those soft tissue injuries. So is there a scale like 1 to 10, or is there an average heart rate variability for someone who is not fatigued? My research says that 
it's different for everybody, but in general, men's heart rate variability is a little higher than women's. And as we get older, our heart rate variability decreases. So the idea is to monitor your heart activity over a period of time. And if you have your watch on your arm and you never take it off, then it's gathering a lot of data over a period of time and can understand your baseline. And that's the key is figure out what your baseline is and don't really compare yourself to other people. And that's, there's a lot that can be said about that in life. Now I'm feeling the need to go look through my Garmin history and see what my heart rate variability looks like. Well, I couldn't find anything on my watch that explicitly showed heart rate variability. But out in the Garmin Connect IQ store, there are some third-party apps that you can install on your watch to give you a display of the heart rate variability, which is abbreviated HRV. But I chose not to install any of those. There were a couple that were free, and there were several that you could purchase. But there would be interesting data to look at. But I'm thinking that the performance condition metric and the recovery time may give you what you're looking for without needing something else. So you may be able to look at your performance condition over time. Is there a way to do that? I don't know. I'll have to look. Or you could just trust your watch. Yeah. I don't know about it. First of all, I don't wear a chest strap. And I think my heart rate data is glitchy sometimes. Yes, I agree. So whether or not you decide to monitor heart rate variability, let's go with the premise that higher heart rate variability is a good thing and a lower heart rate variability is less good because that means you need more time to recover. And I would say there's some truth to that. Like I was saying, it it tends to be that as you age, your heart rate variability decreases. And I feel like when I was a much younger person, my recovery time was much less. And now that I've got a few more years on me, my recovery time is greater, or at least it needs to be for me to stay healthy. So what can we do to increase our heart rate variability, which implies that we're speeding up the recovery process? So I've got a top 10 list of things to help you improve heart rate variability. One is to just train appropriately And we try to do that as athletes and as coaches, figure out where the current fitness level is and make gradual increases and then build in some recovery weeks every once in a while. Yeah, I saw an athlete post today that, and she showed her 5K time from a few months ago and then her 5K time that she performed this past weekend. And it was substantial improvement. And the only thing that she had changed in her training was actually keeping the easy efforts easy. And I think as a result, that probably gave her the recovery to get a better heart rate variability before she went into her hard efforts. So she was gaining more improvements. Yeah, that makes sense. So number two is proper nutrition and eating at the right times. We've talked a lot about nutrition But eating at the right time is important as well. If you eat too late at night, then it impacts your quality of sleep, which impacts your recovery. So the 
Next item is hydration. Yeah, and oh. I just want to mention on that one, I think most people have their heaviest meal as the last meal of the day. And I feel like I sleep better and overall feel healthier when I don't have a heavy meal in the latest meal of the day. I've been trying to have my biggest meal of the day at lunch, which may not seem like that's the case since I eat a big salad, but I typically have something with the salad and then I have my dates and dark chocolate. Moving on to number three, it is to hydrate properly. Yeah, hold on a minute. I'm going to go get my water. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. You're so funny. <laughs> How much water do you think you drink a day? Not enough. Why is that? I don't know. I'm constantly filling up my cup and drinking. I think you need a bigger cup. Yeah, I think you're right. Because, and we've talked about this before, I do not enjoy water unless it's loaded with ice. So I think my cup is very little water and a whole lot of ice. My Yeti. And the ice stays in there a long time. It does. All right. So you need to work on adequate hydration, especially this week leading up to your race. That's right. Especially since the first part of it's going to be at elevation and it's going to be 30 to 40 degrees warmer, which I am highly looking forward to. It's going to be sweet. Ready for number four? Yes. Number four, avoid alcohol. That's easy for us. That's not something that we enjoy partaking of anyway. Yeah. According to research, alcohol can decrease your heart rate variability, which is going to increase your recovery time, and it could have an impact for several days. So there are a lot of reasons to stay away from alcohol. Number five, sleep well. And we talked about eating at the right time, but figuring out what it takes for you to sleep well is important. Do you need a new mattress? <laughs> I feel like you're pointing this at a specific athlete at the moment. Do you need a different pillow? Do you need to adjust your sleep number? Whatever it takes for you to get the proper rest while you're sleeping. And have you ever heard of the circadian rhythm? I have not. Okay, well, I don't know a whole lot about it, but it's basically saying that your body likes things to be patterned, and I'd say you and I have a lot of patterns in our daily lives, but the way I understand it is your body thinks that when it gets dark outside, it's time to start going to bed, and when the sun comes up, it's time to get up, but it's not as precise as that, so the way to figure out your best sleep pattern is to go to bed when you get tired and don't use an alarm to get up in the morning and do this for several days. And eventually you'll figure out what your body wants for sleep. Yes, and that's fine in theory, but we have athletes who have infants and toddlers. We have athletes who work swing shift. We have athletes that have to be at work at 6.30 in the morning, and their whatever rhythm you call that... Circadian. ...might be naturally 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. So you definitely have to juggle those natural rhythms with the real world. Yeah, if you are a shift worker, then it's really hard to develop a sleeping pattern. And if you are a parent of a young child, you are a shift worker. Good point. <laughs> Number six is natural light exposure. So the idea is if you go outside in the morning and, and see the, the daylight and then go outside and see it turn dark, that your 
energy levels and your hormones are impacted and this all helps with your ability to recover. And I will say this based on my transitioning over the years to conform more to your sleep patterns and it has been a huge struggle because I think naturally my rhythms would be midnight to one o'clock a.m. to sleep in late and yours would be 7 p.m. to 4 a.m. and I've transitioned quite a bit but I think what hurts is when the clocks spring forward and it stays light until eight or nine o'clock at night in the summer. I think that throw some things off. Yeah, it's going to take a little while to adjust to the amount of daylight that we have. And I guess, too, I think your body can adapt to a different rhythm. Like, I have definitely adapted to going to bed early and getting up early to fit your rhythm because we just do better when you've been able to go to bed early. (laughs) Yes, and I've adjusted throughout our marriage to be sure to put the toilet paper roll on the right way. I don't think you have a right way. I just think you put it on whichever way it goes on and you don't care. Or do you have a preference? I have a preference that I do it the way that you like it. Right. But if you were not influenced by that, would you have a preference? Not in the least. I don't think so. Some people are team under and some people are team over and then some people are team huh (laughs) i just want there to be some there when i need it (laughs) this is true i do a a good job keeping us well stocked in that area i think all right moving on to number seven wait are we on team under or team over we're on team over (laughs) okay just want to make sure we're on the same team (laughs) well i knew which way to put it i had to think about is that under or over (laughs) that's funny number seven cold thermogenesis. That's a fancy phrase, but it's basically saying that your body reacts to extreme cold and it can stimulate your parasympathetic side of the nervous system and help you increase heart rate variability, decreasing the time needed for recovery. Well, I'm going to tell you, I attribute to the difficulty of my workout today to the bitter cold. So... I don't know how I feel about cold thermogenesis. Yeah, I'm not a fan of cold showers or ice baths, although I've had a few ice baths in my day. Not a fan, but hey, if it's going to improve my recovery and keep me healthy. Yeah, I'm all about you taking ice baths. Yes, you are. (laughs) Leave me out of it, though. Number eight, intentional breathing. We've talked about on a previous podcast having rhythmic breathing when exercising, and that that ties in with this, but it's also talking about trying to regulate your breathing during the rest of your life, not just during exercise. I feel like I've read these studies about what to do at night if you're not sleeping and how to inhale hold exhale and relax your breathing and i feel like i had the attention span of a nap when i try to do that and it just doesn't seem to work because normally if i'm not sleeping well it's because i've got things on my mind that need to be resolved do you think late night television has anything to do with your inability to sleep well i know your opinion on this because i know it annoys you when You wake up in the middle of the night and I've got something playing on my phone. (laughs) 
but it's like a neon light flashing outside <laughs> the window. I know, and I apologize, but normally I turn on something mindless, and sometimes it's just listening to a newscast, or sometimes it's watching a silly movie that I've already seen, or a show that I've already seen, and I do that because I'm thinking so intensely about something in real life that needs to be resolved, which in all honesty, a lot of times it has to do with my mom right now that I've got to do something to turn that off. Usually I can listen to the Ben Shapiro show for eight minutes and I'm sound asleep. (laughs) I would not think that current news would be very relaxing at all. I could see where a funny movie would help you relax, but politics and the chaos around the world is just not very relaxing, in my opinion. Number nine is mindfulness and meditation, which kind of ties back to the previous one on intentional breathing, but I would change this one to be prayer and praise and thanksgiving and getting in your Bible and seeking the Lord. That's just my take on it. Yeah, and I want to read a scripture that ties into this. So I didn't know what number nine was going to be but when you talk about meditation i think people's minds go everywhere but i'm with you to me it's more of prayer and supplication and i think of philippians 4 8 where it says whatever things are true whatever things are noble whatever things are just pure lovely whatever things are of good report if there is any virtue If there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So for me, and I've tried to do better, especially starting in 2022, I've really tried to start every morning in God's Word and thinking on Him and meditating on His Word. So who knew that was going to help in my recovery and my heart rate variability? Seeking the Lord is going to help you in every aspect of your life. That's true. Sorry, I didn't mean to digress from your number nine there. I like your digression. Thank you. And number ten, gratitude journaling. Write down things that you're thankful for. And we often talk to our athletes about being thankful for their many blessings. I find myself thanking the Lord near the end of every workout. Just saying, Lord... Thank you for allowing me to exercise today. But as far as writing it down, I don't do that very much. We do encourage our athletes to write down a post-race journal, and we love it when they share those with us. It's just a great way to capture the moment, to learn some lessons, and be better prepared the next time. And who knew that it would help with your recovery? Who knew? So if you have a big race this weekend, be sure to journal afterwards all that you're thankful for. It will speed your recovery. Speaking of big race, our athlete Katie in South Carolina is actually going to run her marathon tomorrow, which will be yesterday when this podcast comes out. So we're praying she has a great race and She was actually supposed to race, what, three weekends ago, and that race was canceled, so we, well, I'll say we, she found another race, and we adjusted the training for her, and looking forward to her having a great day. 
Well, that was our top 10 list. Yep. I'm going to work on my top 10 heart rate variability this week while I'm preparing for Mesa. And I'm hoping that you can at least jog it with me. We'll see how your foot is later this week. Yeah, we will see. I'm thankful to be healthy, meaning I'm not sick. Uh, This little injury is so minuscule in compared to what some people are going through. And so I'm trying to be positive and I'm prayerfully optimistic that it will be a minor setback and I'll be good to go for Boston in a couple months. So we talked about the performance condition metric, the recovery time metric, and heart rate variability. All three of these designed to help you measure your recovery status and in theory knowing your recovery status can help you determine when you're ready for your next hard workout with the goal being to optimize performance and reduce your risk of injury. Although you've already shared one scripture, I had another one that I wanted to close the podcast with, which I think ties back to recovery. And it is Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.